have a very simple word for you tonight. If you take your awesome Bible and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30, I have a very simple word, but I believe that I want to just preach this out tonight and just get this out of my spirit because I would love to say that I always am full of faith and walking tall and just believe I can defeat any enemy, but the truth is, especially lately, I kind of feel like life's getting the better of me more than I'm getting better of, of life. Has anybody else felt that way sometimes? But I want to tell you something tonight, and I mean this with all my heart. I believe it's a word from the Lord. God is not through blessing you. <laughs> That's who he is. He's a blessing God. He's a God of new beginnings. He's a God of what is ahead of you. Uh, he's a, you need to be believing for better, brighter days in the name of Jesus. When we refuse to settle for what was and begin to fix our eyes on what God wants to be is when faith begins to rise in our hearts, church. And we can look. I tell you, the reason this is stirring in my heart and my mind so much is Brother Marar preached a fantastic word Sunday. I don't know if anybody else needed to hear that, but this man right near here needed to hear something as simple as, hey, get up and get moving. Amen? Because oftentimes we think our past is the predictor of our future. And I came to tell you tonight, your past is not the predictor of your future. The Word of God is the predictor of your future. The Spirit of God inside of you needs to sometimes come alive. Because sometimes we need to be like David said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Is anybody with me tonight? Come on, I'm going to I'm need you to wake up and shake off Wednesday. And just help me preach a little bit to somebody in this room that needs to hear a good word from God. Sometimes, church, and what God was speaking to me on Sunday, is sometimes you just got to get up and go get it. Amen? Sometimes you got to just quit feeling sorry for yourself like I've been doing lately and just say, God, you're still a good God. You're still a blessing God. You're still a God that's got much more in my future than what anything could be in my past. And I want to read this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 30 that we'll dig into tonight. I'm going to break it down verse by verse. So 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 1, and this is David. When he was going through a rough time, he was going through a situation where he had to look around and just say, wow, this came out of nowhere. You ever been caught off guard by something that just came out of nowhere? Life's hard enough when the refrigerator and the dishwasher goes out on the same day, Amen. But this is something on another level that David was experiencing that I want to break down tonight because I'll just be honest with you. I was sitting in my chair this morning early, I was drinking my coffee, and I was in what my pastor used to call the mully grubs. Anybody ever just get in the mully grubs? And I began to think of this passage of Scripture. The Holy Spirit just began to, to impress it upon me that there's something on the inside of a believer. Do I have any believers in the house tonight? Mm, come on. There's something on the inside, down on the inside of a believer. And I had not seen my situation change, but don't look at your situation. Look at a big God tonight. Don't look at what's going on around you or who's against you, but look at who's for you. And something can begin to stir on the inside of you and something can begin to be released. And I just made a decision in that moment that I'm going to praise God and, and worship him and believe that he's bigger than the problem that's in front of me. 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 1 says this, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they had taken the women captives that were, that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept 
until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ananoam the Jezreelitess, and then Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. Father, for these next few minutes and moments, we just pray that you would just give me an unction to speak your word over your people tonight, Lord. Let it be a word of challenge. Let it be a word of encouragement. Let it be a word of victory tonight, God, because in you we are victorious. In the cross, we already have obtained the victory. We are seated with you in heavenly places, Jesus. And for that tonight, God, I'm eternally grateful that no matter what's in front of us, there's a God above us that's watching out. Father, we thank you for that. Let this word find its way into our hearts and grow fruit tonight, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. David is in a very unique place in this passage because David has been anointed king, but he has not yet been appointed king. And I've run into a lot of people throughout my life that have been anointed, but they haven't yet made their way to be appointed at the place God has for them. And sometimes we forget that there's a place called the middle. Everybody say the middle. (laughs) There's a place called the middle that a lot of people don't ever get to their place of appointing because they don't learn how to steward the anointing in the season when things get difficult. They don't know how to steward that place in God that God wants to set something so deep down on the inside of us that nothing could ever shake it. Jesus was anointed, and Jesus actually said this in John 13 to his disciples. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. And then we see what he does next as he gets down and washes feet. Amen? That's powerful because it teaches us something. Is God's not into people exalting themselves. God's into people that serve. Amen, somebody? God's not into those who are lifting themselves up. In other words, God is against exalters, but he loves servant-hearted people. So there's a lot of people I've run into throughout my life that are, that are anointed, and God has an appointment. He's got a place for, to bring them to, whatever that may be, a place of ministry, a place with a family, a place with a spouse, whatever you're believing God, place of healing, place of deliverance, whatever it is. But sometimes in that middle place is where we where we get stuck. And David's in such a place. He's already been anointed, but he's being chased by King Saul. And David is out and he's in a place where he's seen victory after victory after victory after victory. And here in this passage, we see that even though he's out winning victories with his 600 mighty men, he's got mighty men of valor, valor warriors. They're set up in a place called Ziklag. And while he's out winning the victory, and honestly, I get the picture in the scripture that David and his men probably came back tired. Everybody say tired. tired. Have you ever been in a place where you're just tired? Church, I don't mean a place where you just feel a little weary and you need a better night's rest. I'm talking a place where you're spiritually, emotionally, and, and, and physically spent. They Put yourself in their shoes coming back from, from months and weeks of battles that they saw victory after victory after victory. David kind of had to build up some credibility because he wanted to be appointed king at some point. So he wanted to show everybody that I can win the victories that maybe the other king can't. That's my opinion, but I believe that's what's going on. And, and, and just like the enemy does, and this is something spiritually to understand as we fight spiritual battles, is that the enemy, even though you could be getting a victory on one front, the devil can sneak in the back door and blindside you, and the next thing you know, you've got a defeat on your hands when all you've seen before is victory. And tonight I want to minister to some folks, if you've ever found yourself in that place, or if you've ever kind of thought, wow, I'm in that place right now, I want to encourage your heart tonight. Because I found this to be true in your life and my life, the enemy doesn't just attack you for who you are, 
But the enemy will attack you for who God is creating you to be. Amen. Amen. And heaven forbid that the devil has more faith in who God's creating you to be than you have sitting here tonight. Come on. We need to have have faith in God that he's not done with you yet. He's still writing the pages of your story. The story may look bleak now, but I came to tell you tonight that you need to lift your eyes up to God and get your eyes focused on Him because God is not through using you. God is not through blessing you. God is not through working in your life or working in your family or working in your kids or working in any area of your life because I think something that we've just lost in the days we're living in is we get our eyes so much fixed on all the craziness in the world that we can get downcast and we can get the world put on us instead of understanding we have a God who overcame the world. Amen. By the cross and by the blood and by the word of our testimony, we have already overcome the evil one because Jesus did. And if you're a believer tonight, you are in Christ and Christ is in you. The hope of glory. Come on. Some of you may say, I don't know why the devil would be attacking me. I ain't all that. Not yet. The devil always tries to stop something. He was trying to stop David before he ever got to his place of appointment. And oftentimes we think the anointing is going to keep the enemy away. He's going to attack you because you are anointed. He is going to attack you because you do have a purpose. He is going to come against you because God has a greater purpose than what you're walking in right now. And we need to be ready for it. We need to be looking for it. And David in this story, he's got 600 men with him and he has to be riding high. He's won victory after victory after victory, win after win after win. And here in this story we just read in 1 Samuel 30 verse 1 on down, is that even though David was winning these victories, when he comes back to Ziklag, when he comes back to his home, when he comes back to this place, he's dealing now with pressure. Everybody say pressure. Anybody ever dealt with pressure before? He's dealing with emotional pressure, national pressure, spiritual pressure, financial, everything he owned and everything they owned and won in battles is now carried away. Their children and their wives are carried off. Their houses are burned. This is about as bad as a day can get. And David has to kind of look around and say, boy, I didn't expect life to get this complicated. The point is life will throw you curveballs sometimes. Amen. You know, it's not even the things you see coming that's a curveball. It's those things like David is experiencing that he didn't see coming that is now a curveball in his life. But really, the, what we have to be careful of is the enemy throws these curveballs. The enemy comes in uh, in a way that we don't see it coming to distract you. Everybody say distraction. I know I'm having you repeat a lot tonight, but I wanted you to get this down deep in your spirit. You know, the, the, the word, even though it doesn't explicitly always use this word, but if you see from, from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, you see focus is a big part of our Christian life. Because if the enemy can get you focused on, the, on what has just happened, the burning of the house and the carrying away of, of your kids and wife, that's about as bad as it can get. If he can get you focused, in other words, very clearly marked out in Scripture by the parables Jesus gave, that if the enemy can get you focused on the cares of life, you're not focused on the purpose God puts you here for. 
If you're focused on all the little minute details of everything going on around us, I just came to tell you tonight, we're a church that has a plan and a purpose from God and has an appointment from God and has an anointing from God. And I've just come to tell you that God is not done with you. He's got stuff for you to do. He's got people for you to to minister to. But David didn't see this coming. He didn't know that the enemy was going to sneak behind the the lines and burn down his home, took everybody's wives and children captive, took all their stuff, and he didn't see that one coming. And it, it made me think of the energy that had to have been expended by David and his mighty men, his warriors, the 600 men that were with him in this story. It, it just made me think of the amount of energy that he had to have exp- expend and put out to win these battles. And listen, if you're going to go deep in God and you're going to win some victories, there's spiritual expenditure that has to take place. In other words, the victory doesn't come by those who sit on the sidelines. It comes by those who get in the arena. And when you're anointed, you step into that arena and you need to understand that there are some fights and some battles that are going to come your way. David didn't see this coming, but God did. David had expended so much energy. And what it reminds me of is simply this. The older I get the more I realize that my battery goes down a little bit quicker than it used to. Can I get an amen from anybody else? So what it has caused me to do is not to worry about a lot of the little stuff that I spend time worrying about because I realize I've only got a battery that's so full and the enemy's just all day long trying to drain it with something. My pastor, Kemp Holden, used to put it this way, a friend of mine. He said, you don't have to swing at every pitch thrown your way, y'all. You don't have to swing at every little thing the enemy throws at you because what he's trying to do in the day we're living in is wear you out. And I, again, I am preaching to myself tonight because I already preached this sermon to myself sitting in the chair because Leah said, are you going to get up? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I may, you may find me here 9 o'clock tonight sitting in the same spot because I am so weary of dealing with this situation that I was dealing with in that moment in my life that I just like, Lord, I... I don't know what else to do. I don't know how else. And this began to stir in my heart that I could have either sat on the sidelines or I could have begun to praise God. I could have sat in that chair and felt sorry for my... I came to tell some people that are feeling sorry for yourself, get your eyes off of feeling sorry for yourself and get up and understand you've got God living on the inside of you. Because in this story, what we see is, why does somebody go home? You go home to rest. You go home to get some R&R. You go home to recharge your battery. You go home to finally get, you know, get into your... Anybody been away, away from home for more than four or five days? That bed is just wonderful, isn't it? That's your bed. That's your pillow. Some of you going on a mission trip here soon. You're going to love that bed when you get back. You're going to work yourself to death and come home and just be so glad to be laying down on that pillow. We're all like that. That's how David was. They're all coming back. They're Listen, they're riding high on victory. They've seen victory. They had... David had not up to this point ever seen a defeat. But God knows that it's not through all the victories that we really learn about him. It's through sometimes seeing everything burnt to the ground and not seeing a way out. And not just not seeing a way out. In the story, as we're about to read again, he had everybody pick up stones to stone him. I don't have any idea what good that would have done the situation. Except it would make him feel better about the bitterness that they were feeling. And as a side note, 
If you're a bitter person and you don't allow God to heal you from the inside out, everywhere you go, you're going to bring that sickness of bitterness in every situation. That's free tonight. Amen. Totally free. But listen, he had to have asked the question like I've asked many times over the last year and three months, two months. God, why am I losing these battles? Anybody else? God, God, I'll say this. I say to God, how could I be winning all of these battles, but I've lost this battle? But that's how life is. I've lived enough of life to learn that I could have one kid be doing great and the other one's not doing great. And I finally get the one straightened out and the other one goes off. You're hearing me tonight. I finally got that dishwasher fixed. And I'm not even kidding. My Leah came in the other night and she said, do you hear the noise the dryer's making? I said, just pick up the stones and stone me from the back. I said, I feel like David at Ziklag right now. I've been saying this for a few months. But the emotional toll that this had to have had on David in this moment, because he had to say this, and we've all said it. If you're being honest, I know I'm at CCC, super spiritual Wednesday night. But you've had to say this. God, I'm out winning the battles for your righteous cause. Amen? Why did this happen? Why did you let this happen? I came to preach to some real people tonight. Is that okay? Because you come to those moments in life. I'm not talking about just a bad day where you got a flat tire and the the dryer was making noise and you just prayed over it. I anointed it with oil. Jesus, I did it all. But we ask those questions. God, why am I losing over here? God, what happened? Anybody else ever had a what happened moment? Completely blindsided, completely taken off guard. And here's David in a place where he thought he was going to get some rest and some R&R. And he comes home and he's in complete distress. Listen, that is the attack of the enemy against the people of God right now. I'm telling you it is. It's this. It's, It's when you're tired and you're worn out and your spiritual battery is depleted, your emotional battery is depleted, and your physical battery is depleted. He is going to choose that moment to catch you off guard. Because, church, he thinks, he thinks this is the moment to take you out. And if you'll stay sitting where David and the people of God here is, are sitting, is look back in verse 4 real quick. It says, Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept, Until they had no more power to weep. Look back this way. Have you ever wept until you couldn't weep anymore? Can I tell you and be honest with you tonight as a Christian, that is perfectly fine. Because sometimes the only way back to true wholeness is going ahead. and. In other words, you can't get on with it until you get it out of you, church. Let's not be so super spiritual that we say to each other, oh, bless God. Because the Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but the joy comes in the morning. I came for some people just to lift your eyes up and say, God has blessings for you in your future. God has healing for you in your future. God has a future and a hope for you tonight. But don't be afraid to pour yourself out when it hurts. That's what we see here. They cried until they couldn't cry anymore. Sometimes you've got to get it out before you can get on with it, church. But they, they wept until. Somebody say until. <laughs> Listen, there is an until moment. There is a moment of until. 
Listen, God didn't talk to them while they were weeping. God didn't talk to them while they were complaining. But there was an until moment that happened in that situation that I believe is going to be birthed in your heart tonight of until. Listen, until is a word that lets us know you haven't failed God. He's just not done finishing your story yet. Amen? Amen? Because David had to have felt like a failure. Not only have I let my family down, not only have I let my hometown that just got burnt to the ground down, I've let down all these people that were following me in this moment, and he had to have felt like God's finished with my story. But listen, we say at those times, and sometimes you just got to get up until an until moment, and you just say to yourself, listen, I don't know why those people walked away from me, but they did. I'm moving on. Don't know why they talk bad about me, but they did. I'm moving on. Come on. I don't know why they why they why why I lost my job. I was a good worker, and they must just must not like me. Listen, you just you just get that until moment tonight where you said, "Let's leave the past in the past and move on to what God has in our future." Look back at verse six with me. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. Listen, he lost exactly what they did, right? I'm not sure what stoning him was going to fix. But in life, you'll understand that when you, until you come to that until moment, in life you'll understand that there are people... Listen, this was extra bad because this was coming from the inside. You ever been hurt from the inside? In other words, you ever been hurt by the ones who should have had your back? You ever had stones thrown at your back? I get the picture of David down, like, man, this is awful. He's weeping, everybody's weeping, and everybody's like, well, who are we going to take this out on? And David's right there. But this is the key line for everybody here tonight. Listen to your pastor for just a second. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Come on, somebody. Listen, there comes a moment in everyone's life. Listen, if I ain't got no help, if I can't control the situation, I don't even understand my situation half the time. I can't control it. I can't understand it. I don't know what happened here. But listen, sooner or later, you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. Because you're going to come to a place, and I promise you it will happen. And listen... I love encouragement. I love the fact that we can come together and encourage one another. And as the Bible says, spur one another on towards good works. And a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. All those things I love about the Bible. But I'm telling you, if you walk long enough with the Lord, there's going to be some times when your wife can't fix it, your pastor can't fix it, the, 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 your children can't fix it, your coworker can't fix it. You've got to dig down on the inside and find something here that you're going to begin to stir up and say, God, I encourage myself in you because I ain't got no encouragement from anybody else. Amen? You've got to come to that place of until. And David just literally said, look, I, I, this is bad. I don't understand what's going on, but I am going to focus my heart on God. And, and listen, God didn't talk to him why they were complaining. God didn't talk to them why they wanted to stone David. But listen to me. When David began to encourage himself, when, when David let some praise begin to come out of his lips, again, I'm speaking this because it's fresh on my heart because that's exactly what I did this morning because my wife did the best favor that she could have done for me. She looked at me and she said, knock it off, that's not who you are. 
She did. I said, yes, I am. Leave me alone. So when she left, I just began to say, God, you're good. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. About five minutes after I began praising, I got a text from somebody and they said, look up and and be in awe of your God. There's something I've been walking through for two months. I'm not going to go into all the story, but I mean, I'm just weary of this. I'm just like, Lord, how long, oh Lord? Just literally weighted down on me heavily. 1136, I got the email that everything was good. Amen. Listen, and I, and listen, I'm so thankful. I'm telling you, I'm thankful. And I thank God for the answer that I was looking for, and I saw God come through. I saw that. But I'm so thankful that when I didn't know how it was going to turn out, I could still praise my God. And I'm not lifting myself up. I'm just telling you that it shifted the atmosphere in my heart. David began to encourage himself and the Lord because you're going to come to places where sometimes it, and you may be surrounded by people. You may be surrounded by people that love you. You may be surrounded by encouragers. But there comes those moments in time when you've just got to dig down and begin to stir up some praise. Stir up some worship in your life. Stir up some worship in your household. You say, oh, my house is under attack. My kids are half crazy and all this stuff's going on. And Listen, just let some praise begin to... Just let it... Just let some praise begin to be released from your mouth. Amen? Because that's what David was doing here. He was encouraging himself in the Lord. Listen, when there comes an encouragement, that's when everything begins to turn. You may not see it yet, but I promise you, it is. But God. (laughs) But God. You thought you were going to break my spirit? But God. You know, if if you push, if if the enemy hems us in and pushes on us hard enough, and he'll do it, life will do it. Amen. Doesn't even sometimes. I think we blame the devil for too much, personally. I really do. A lot of things are just our own consequences. Some of the stuff I've walked through lately is just my own. My own. It's consequences. God is so merciful, though. I think what God's looking for is simply this: when you're squeezed hard enough, what comes out? When you're squeezed not when you're squeezed hard enough, does praise come out? Because we don't know what other people are walking through. We don't. And God forbid we would be like the men who wanted to stone David. And you know, your little smart aleck mouth just causes somebody's spirit to break. Come on. I'm being real with you. Be careful what we say to each other. Because you don't know what somebody's walking through. Be careful how you treat other people because you don't know what they're walking through. I'm going to tell you how to encourage yourself in the Lord. You ready? It's not anything you haven't heard before, but listen to me. This is fresh on my heart because, again, I'm teaching ministerial ethics in our LCU class, and the main point of it is practice what you preach. Amen? So there's a lot of conviction that's happened in my life over the last three weeks. Not that I don't intentionally, but there's, there's times I just, I just get really down. Amen? And here's what I do. I remember every time God came through in my past. You can cry till you can't cry anymore. All your team around you, they're mad, upset, want to stone you. All your friends, upset. When you go to encourage yourself in the Lord, remember those times in the past God gave you victory. 
Church, I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And when I look back over my life, David had to have begun to do that. I think David was crying out to God. David was seeking God. David was like, God, I didn't, I didn't see this coming. I didn't see this going to blindside. I didn't know they were going to, Amalekites were going to come in the back door and burn everything down while I was out fighting your battles. Come on, somebody. <laughs> fighting for you, Lord. There might have even been some selfishness there in David that, well, I'm, you know, David the conqueror. God was about to remind him that apart from him, we can do nothing, John 15. He is the, we are the vine, he is the branch. And I think David probably just began to let something deep inside and the Holy Spirit just began to remind him of his days in the shepherd's field when he slew the lion and he slew the bear. Probably, probably brought him back to that day at Jesse's house, his father, when they all stood around and the prophet was like this, do you have another son? You read the story, you're amazed. It's like, uh, do we? They literally like, uh, yeah. He's actually out in the shepherd's field. Go get him. So he had to have gone back to that day that the anointing oil was poured upon his head. Those days where he was confronted with the bear and God gave him strength to slay. Listen, you need to begin to rehearse your past victories because it is a, it is a predictor of what God's going to do in your future because God has never lost a battle yet. He hasn't. When you obey God, when you follow God, when you're submitted to God, doesn't mean your life's perfect, but when you begin to rehearse and begin to remember your past victories, I'm sure that his memory took him back to go down into that valley and begin to pick up three smooth stones. Right? Where he's going to slay Goliath. So church, any time that you want to encourage yourself in the Lord, the very first thing that you can begin to do is be reminded of everything God has already brought you through. How easily we forget past victories. How easily we forget how good God has been to us and how many things that He's already brought us through. And David had to have been sitting there thinking, man, you know, in other words, God's like, hey, look at all the past victories. Shake off feeling sorry for yourself, David, and get up and lead the people of God. And be reminded, start talking about what God has done. I have found this, and this is true, (laughs) see if you commiserate, see if you understand this. I have found that I can either have pity from God or I can have power from God. I can't have both. He'll pity you and let you stay down ready to be stoned and feeling sorry for everything going on in your life. But listen, my praise and worship 90% of it is just rehearsing the past victories and giving God the glory for everything he's brought this man through. And so can yours. Number two, you have to remember that you have divine protection. Amen? I heard a testimony last week in our LCU uh, class about an angel encounter that a state highway patrolman that's a sister of somebody here in the church. And just amazed at how God, God, listen, God watches over his people. You have angels around you. And listen, not only do you remember the past victories, you begin to remember those times where the enemy could have and would have taken you out, but God, through His angelic order of beings, protected you because you did something so dumb you should have never made it through it. Come on, somebody. You shouldn't still be here tonight. But God protected you. Half the time you didn't even know you were in danger and God still protected you. Listen, in the world 
we live in today, we ought to just thank him for preserving his people with supernatural protection and his hand of protection upon us. He realized God is in control. Can I encourage you that? He's like, wait. Psalm 31.5 may have been born out of this very moment when he said, My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. David prayed for deliverance, but at the same time knew that his times were in God's hands. So whatever situation you find yourself in tonight, it is not for your defeat. It's for learning who your God is, because you would have never known that you needed a door opened unless one was shut in your face. You would have never known that you needed bondages breaked off unless the chains were too heavy for you to carry anymore. You, you would have never known that God has breakthrough in your finances unless you came to a place where you needed breakthrough in your finances. Amen? Amen? Number three is this. You have to remind yourself of who your God is. Amen? Listen, after you've rehearsed your past victories, after you understand that God was still divinely protecting his David and his men... Then you've got to let something stir up on the inside. And I did it this morning. I did it this morning. And here's exactly what I said. I said, God, you're able. God, you're powerful. God, you're a way maker. But I never knew you were a way maker until I needed this way out. I didn't know, Lord, you're all I need until I realized you're all I really have to begin with. I didn't know that the door was shut, that I needed a door until it was shut. I didn't know God could open prison cells until I found myself in a prison cell. Come on. If you're visiting tonight, I've never been in prison. I just wanted to just throw that out there. By the grace of God, should have been. Number four is this, as I close. Stand up tonight and I'll give you this. It's actually pretty short. This is so important, though. Listen to me for just a minute. I'm going to read this right here. Because not only did he, he, he rehearse past victories, I'm sure. Not only did he remember that his times are in God's hands. Not only did he begin to to let praise and remind himself that, wait, God's bigger than the Amalekites. God's bigger than what I've lost. Oftentimes when you do go through a season of loss, we often focus on what we lost instead of focus on what's left. And, and David began to stir himself up and God began to do very this very thing. And this is so important. He asked God what to do. <laughs> 1 Samuel 30, verses 7 and 8. And David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Amalek, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? We get so presumptuous when it comes to God, don't we? Always inquire of what God wants. Because if you're doing what God wants, you have assurance of a victory. Make sense? Remember, God didn't talk to him while they were complaining. God didn't talk to him while they were doing it. didn't mean he didn't care. He just wasn't going to enter into all that. He waited until David began to encourage himself in the Lord. You want to know the way out of whatever you're facing tonight? Begin to encourage yourself in the Lord. Begin to rehearse your past victories. Begin to understand God has surrounded you with his angels. But he sought direction from God. How do we do that? We do that through prayer and through the word. We do that through seeking Him. We do it through godly counsel. And when nothing else will work, encourage yourself in the Lord. I love this quote from George Mueller, and it says this, and this sums up my sermon. Be assured if you walk with Him and look to Him and expect help from Him, 
He will never fail you. George Mueller was one of the greatest men of faith that you'll ever read about. Great man of faith. So let me close up with this and we'll pray. Don't be overwhelmed by the troubles you're currently going through. Keep everything in perspective. Encourage yourself in the Lord your God because God is faithful and God is for you and God is with you. Remember what God has done in your life and in the world. Pray for yourself. It's okay to do that. Amen? Again, if you don't have somebody present to lay hands on you, my wife is about to lay hands on me this morning. (laughs) Stop it, she said. It's not who you are. Realize God's in control. Your times are in His hands and you can trust Him. And finally, ask God what to do. Because our heart as a Christian is, Lord, you lead and I will follow. He always has a way out. and He's going to teach you something in that circumstance and in that situation that you would have never learned otherwise. And I think one of the, one of the questions that continually I think God just whispers to us, if you'll listen, do you trust me? may not look good. Everything's burnt down and your wife and kids are gone. And listen to me. Here's what happened. That's why I say get up and go get what's yours is the title of my sermon. Sometimes you've you got to hear from God and go get what, God, what the enemy's stolen. Love that song. I went to the enemy's camp. I took back. If he's, if he's stolen your joy, he doesn't deserve to have your joy. If he's in your finances, he doesn't deserve to be in your finances. You're a child of God. If he's in your family messing with it, he doesn't belong in your family. Rebuke him and kick him out. Get God's heart. Get God's voice. Because you'll always hear God say, just trust me. Because he's trustworthy. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, we love you so very much. And Lord, I just pray that that encouragement would find its place in the hearts of the people of God tonight. Lord, much like David, when he began to encourage himself in you, is when the movement started, is when you began to speak, is when you began to direct, is when you began to lead and guide. And you went before him and fought the battle before he ever arrived at it, Lord. So I, looking at a group of people that in some way, shape, or form, they're fighting a battle. Lord, it may be a battle of discouragement tonight. I pray the encourager would find its place in their heart. God, it may be those who are battling sickness in their body. And just like we heard, Lord, just a minute ago from our sister Deanne, you're a healer, God. You're a healer. God, let healing flow to the people. Father, there may be those here with addiction issues that they just can't seem to break over and overcome. God, you are the chain breaker tonight. Lord, you're the way maker tonight. You are a good God. We rehearse tonight, God, that there is a victory. There is a victory, God. And I pray that, that, God, we would get up and move towards that victory, that we would get up and understand that between the anointing and the appointing that you have for us in the middle is a lot of battles, a lot of tests, a lot of trials. But, Lord, we say tonight, we trust you, God. We trust you, God. Even though we don't see it, God, we're still going to say it with faith in our heart and belief in our mind and and mouth, God, that we're going to declare that we will see a victory, Jesus. God, we love you. We praise you, and I pray blessings over this congregation. God, may they be blessed as they've come in, and may they be blessed as they go. May your presence continually abide upon us, God, everywhere we go. May we understand that we represent you. May we understand that, God, we, we can speak to others on behalf of a good God who wants to be in relationship with them. So help us be evangelists of the good news of the gospel tonight. 
Help us, Father, tonight. Watch over and protect us and our families until you bring us back here, Lord, at your appointed time. Father, we love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Go in the name of the Lord tonight, guys. Be blessed. Be blessed.